Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to J. CIM.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday, Monday through Friday, from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we are continuing and concluding our reading in Chapter 21 with Section Number 9, The Inner Shift. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson of the day. Lesson 244, I am in danger, nowhere. All right, with us in reading today, we have Lori, Jessica, Brian, Patricia, Yvonne, and Micah, and uh, Robin Marie might read later. Also listening... With us and listening is Ida. Okay, and I thought I would do something just a little bit different today, this short reading. I will start with uh, paragraph 84, the last section in the, sorry, last paragraph in the previous section. I'll read 84 and 85, and then Lori, as Lori to start the top Elusive happiness, or happiness in changing form that shifts with time and place, is an illusion which has no meaning. Happiness must be constant because it is attained by giving up the wish for the income. Joy cannot be perceived except through constant vision. And constant vision can be given only those who wish for constancy. The power of the Son of God's desire remains the proof that he is wrong who sees himself as helpless. Desire what you will, and you will look on it and make it real. No thought but has the power to release or kill, and none can leave the thinker's mind or leave him unaffected. So now to chapter 21, the inner picture, section 9, the inner shift. Paragraph 85, are thoughts then dangerous? To bodies, yes. The thoughts that seem to kill are those which teach the thinker that he can be killed. And so he dies because of what he he goes from life to death, the final proof he valued the inconstant more than constancy. 
Surely he thought he wanted happiness, yet he did not desire it because it was the truth and therefore must become. Lori? Uh, Section 9, The Inner Shift. 85. Are thoughts then dangerous? To bodies, yes. The thoughts that seem to kill are those which teach the thinker that he can be killed. And so he dies because of what he learned. He goes from life to death, the final proof he valued the inconstant, more than constancy. Surely he thought he wanted happiness, yet he did not desire it because it was the truth and therefore must be constant. 86. The constancy of joy is a condition quite alien to your understanding. Yet if you could even imagine what it must be, you would desire it although you understand it not. Thank you, Lori. And Jessica? Thanks, Lamoine. Um, the constancy of joy is a condition quite alien to your understanding. Yet, if you could even imagine what it must be, you would desire it although you understand it not. 87. The constancy of happiness has no exception, no change of any kind. It is unshakable as is the love of God for his creation. Sure in its vision as its creator is in what he knows, it looks on everything and sees it is the same. It sees not the ephemeral. For it desires that everything be like itself and sees it so. Nothing has power to confound its constancy because its own desire cannot be shaken. It comes as surely unto those who see the final question is necessary to the rest as peace must come to those who choose to heal and not to judge. Thank you, Jessica. And Brian? 87. The constancy of happiness has no exceptions, no change of any kind. It is unshakable as is the love of God for his creation. Sure in its vision, as its creator is and what he knows, it looks on everything and sees it as the same. It sees not there from rule, for it desires that everything be like itself and sees it so. Nothing has power to confound its constancy because its own desire cannot be shaken. It comes as surely upon those who see the final question is necessary to the rest as peace must come to those who choose to heal and not to judge. 88. <clears throat> Reason will tell you that you cannot ask for happiness inconstantly. For if what you desire you receive and happiness is constant, then you need ask for it but once to have it always. And if you do not have it always, being what it is, you did not ask for it. 
for no one fails to ask for his desire of something he believes holds out some promise of the power of giving it. He may be wrong in what he asks, where and of what, yet he will ask because desire is a request, and asking for and made by one whom God himself will never fail to answer. God has already given him all that he really wants, yet what he is uncertain of, God cannot give, for he does not desire it while he remains uncertain, and God's giving must be incomplete unless it is received. Thank you, Fran. And Patricia? 88. Reason will tell you that you cannot ask for happiness inconstantly. For if what you desire you receive, and happiness is constant, then you need ask for it, but want to have it always. And if you do, if you do not have it always, being what it is, you did not ask for it. For no one fails to ask for his desire of something he believes holds out some promise of the power of giving it. He may be wrong in what he asks, where or of what, yet he will ask because desire is a request and asking for and made by one who God himself will never fail to answer. God has already given him all that he really needs. Yet what he is uncertain of, God cannot give. For he does not desire it while he remains uncertain. And God's giving must be incomplete unless it is received. 89. You who complete God's will and are His happiness, whose will is powerful as His, a power that is not lost in your illusion. Think carefully. Why? Why it should be you have not yet decided how you would answer the final question. Your answer to the others has made it possible to help you be but partially insane. And yet, it is the final one that really asks if you are willing to the holy thing.
Thank you, Patricia. And Yvonne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, 89. You who complete God's will and are his happiness, whose will is powerful as his, a power that is not lost in your illusions, think carefully why it should be you have not yet decided how you would answer the final question. This is a refresher. I want to go back and read the final question. And do I want to see what I denied because it is the truth? (laughs) Your answer to the others has made it possible to help you be but partially insane. And yet it is the final one that really asks if you'll be willing to be wholly sane. What is the holy instant but God's appeal to you to recognize what he has given you? Here is the great appeal to reason, the awareness of what is always there to see, the happiness that could be always yours. Here is the constant peace you could experience forever. Here is what denial has denied revealed to you. For here the final question is already answered, and what you ask given and what you ask for given. Here is the future now, for time is powerless because of your desire for what will never change. For you have asked that nothing stand between the holiness of your relationship and your awareness of holiness. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Micah. Okay. Uh, 890. What is the holy instant but God's appeal to you to recognize what he has given you? Here is the great appeal to reason. The awareness of what is always there to see. The happiness that could be always yours. Here is the constant peace you could experience forever. Here is what denial has denied, revealed to you. For here the final question is already answered and what you ask for given. Here is the future now. For time is powerless because of your desire for what will never change. For you have asked that nothing stand between the holiness of your relationship and your awareness of its holiness. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I realized part way through, I didn't ask if there's anyone who's joined us after I turned the tones off who would also like to read. But because this section is so short, I'll ask now, is, is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to read this morning? And maybe we can read this again. Hi, good morning, Diana. I'm listening. I just want to listen. 
Okay. Hi, Lemoyne. It's Lana. Um, I was a little late getting on here, but um, if you read it again, I'd be happy to read. Okay, great. Anyone else who would like to uh, say good morning uh, or, or just say hi or would like to read? Okay then, and uh, let's see. And Robin Marie, are you ready to read? I can hop. Yes, I can hop aboard now. Okay. Do you want me to to start with eighty five? Hello. Sure. Go ahead. Let's, oh, okay. let's go ahead and read this again. And uh, okay. go back to the, the top. Okay. Go ahead. So this is uh, nine, the inner shift. 85, are thoughts then dangerous? To bodies, yes. The thoughts that seem to kill are those which teach the thinker that he can be killed. And so he dies because of what he has learned. He goes from life to death. The final proof he valued the inconstant more than constancy. Surely he thought he want he thought he wanted happiness, yet he did not desire it because it was the truth. And therefore, therefore must be constant. So I'm just reading one paragraph, right? Um, the next one's short. Go ahead and read down too. Uh, okay. 86. The constancy of joy is a condition quite alien to your understanding. Yet, if you could even imagine what it must be, you would desire it, although you understand it not. Thank you very much, Robin. <laughs> and Lana, would you read 87? Sure. Um, 87. Okay. The constancy of happiness has no exceptions, no change of any kind. It is unshakable, as is the love of God for his creation. Sure in its vision, as its creator is in what he knows, it looks on everything and sees it is, it is the same. It sees not the ephemeral, for it desires that everything be like itself and sees itself. Nothing has power to confound its constancy because its own desire cannot be shaken. It comes as surely unto those who see the final question is necessary to the rest, as peace must come to those who choose to heal and not to judge. Thank you, Lana. And Lori, would you read 88? Oh, yes. Reason will tell you that you cannot ask for happiness inconstantly. For if what you desire you receive and happiness is constant, then you need to ask for it but once to have it always. 
And if you do not have it always, being what it is, you did not ask for it. For no one fails to ask for his desire of something he believes holds out some promise of giving, giving it. He may be wrong in what he asks, where and of what, yet he will ask because desire is a request and asking for and made by one whom God himself will never fail to answer. God has already given him all that he really wants. Yet what he is uncertain of, God cannot give, for he does not desire it while he remains uncertain. And God's giving must be incomplete unless it is received. Thank you, Barry. And Jessica, would you read 89? Certainly. You who complete God's will and are his happiness whose will is powerful as his, a power that is not lost in your illusions. Think carefully why it should be you have not yet decided how you would answer the final question. Your answer to the others has made it possible to help you be but partially insane. And yet it is the final one that really asks if you are willing to be wholly sane. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, Fran, read the last paragraph. Sure. What is the holy instant that God's appeal to you to recognize what he has given you? Here is the great appeal to reason. The awareness of what is always there to see, the happiness that could be always yours, here is the constant peace you could experience forever. Here is what denial has denied, revealed to you. For here the final question is already answered and what you asked for, given. Here is the future, now. For time is powerless because of your desire for what will never change. For you have asked that nothing stand between the holiness of your relationship and your awareness of its holiness. Thank you, Brian. And, uh, don't do it twice. Plenty of time left, so let's open the floor for sharing on this section or the whole chapter. Hi, it's Anna. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but, you know, this constancy. And um, when I just look on my experiences and what Jesus is sharing in this section and most of in this chapter, um, I, I recall one request or one thing he said about any unequivocal call for help is answered. And um, I've, had the, I've had experiences of an unequivocal call, <laughs> you know, and um, there seemed no other option. Um, I guess it's when my 
ego mentality is silenced enough that I don't engage that and I'm at the mercy of God. <laughs> but um, I think there's something to that, in, um, and it's kind of paradoxical in my mind because if, if I'm um, desiring something, you know, it's an acknowledgement that I think I'm lacking it. I, mean, I could lack something because all the attributes of love, joy, peace, happiness, they're all contained in that, and they are constant. And, and I accept that as a divine truth. Um, so if I'm questioning it, or if I experience myself not in those states, then something's going to muck in my mind. So I, my question is, and um, how can one make an unequivocal desire or request for joy or happiness or peace from a mind that is questioning its um, reality. You know, if, if there's even the slightest hint that um, happiness be constant um, in my life, you know, that's a judgment. And I don't think that's the answer to that third question I don't think from that state of mind I could answer that last question because I'm still functioning from time and space so um, it's a conundrum <laughs> and what where my mind is pointed to this morning is that um, before uh, I make that request uh, or acknowledge actually it really once my mind is healed, it's just an affirmation of what is true and what is so. So as long as it's a question, it tells me there's something in my mind that needs to be healed so that I could see the unity of it, the wholeness of it, um, you know, the wholeness where there is no other option other than to be happiness, where everything shows up as happy and peaceful and joyful. So um, that's just where I'm sitting with it this morning. You know, it's um, it's kind of a very deep chapter, and it goes to um, a very fundamental belief in do I believe truth is true? And if I do say I believe truth is true, then why do why would I not have that certainty and doubt? So that just points to me to there's. There's fragments in my mind, even if not on a conscious level. Even if every bone in my body says, well, of course I want happiness. Why would I not want happiness? There's a lingering fragment of doubt or unbelief that that's possible. And, um, and it points to that little fragment that um, needs to be healed before I can answer that last question. But that's just what's going on with me. <laughs> so you might have a whole different take on it. I'm complete. Thank you, Lana. Yeah, thank you, Lana. Thank you. <clears throat> Trisha here, it's a very inspiring reading. Um, and I do this reverse engineering thing. So let me share how this works for me now. The last sentence. For you have asked that nothing stand between 
I'm going to read it the way it speaks to me. For I have asked nothing now stand between the wholeness of my relationship with you. Oh, that my awareness of this be constant. Yes, this I have asked, that nothing stand between me and you. This relationship, every moment I ask you first, every moment nothing is between you and me, and then I open my eyes to see what is out there. Oh, here is the future now, for time is powerless. What is out there, time is powerless because of my desire and yours for what will never change. Look, look, what is out there is changing all the time. That's why you gave me time to close my eyes and be with you first and open my eyes to say, only show me, Lord, only show me what will never change in this story before me. Because this story before me, for here the final question is already answered. That what I ask for, the story before me is showing me perfection is here. I need not ask for the story to change because happiness is what keeps me knowing you, God. Our love together in this silent presence. Happiness is here no matter what changes. It no longer needs to be anything for happiness to exist. Oh, my Lord, don't leave me now. Let me stay with nothing between you and me. My mind surrenders to this silence to see only the happiness that glows with no story needed. Thank you. Boy, I loved every bit of that. Thank you, Patricia. Oh, would you say that? Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you for shining a light on that. Yeah, Patricia, that this is Micah. That, that really cleared it up for me because I, at first, I was thinking in terms of the uh, communication medium, this feeling of a of a me being happy all the time, <laughs> and and that seemed like oh my God, you know, very impossible. And it and it even seemed to contradict like some of Rumi's poems where he talks about letting the guests, you know, these guests come into the house, you know, and they throw around the furniture and do all kinds of things. And and that need to be in, you know, embrace whatever's going on. And then and then as you were speaking I realized, oh, it it is that happiness that's changeless that's beyond the forms you know beyond yeah beyond you know beyond this this self 
So anyway, mm. thanks for clarifying. Mm. Appreciate it. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Oh, thank you, Micah. Yeah, just quickly, Flanagan, but yeah, both of you reminded me um, that, um, I said thank you, that I, that, you know, Jesus tells me that the now is the closest approximation to eternity. So uh, once again, you know, it, it's now in truth that I'm happy constantly. I can only be happy constantly now. And as soon as I put a time on, element, add a time element to it, it seems like an impossible task. But I can, in certainty, say I can be happy now in this choice to be happy. So um, that was clarifying. So thank you, guys. Mm, Absolutely. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. This is Micah again, and the the other uh, insight uh, that Patricia, your share, provided was in that last sentence. You know, seeing it as my uh, relationship with God, I, I um, that that was insightful. And then I was before that, I was thinking in terms which I think is also true. My my relationship with my brother or sister and that and when I was reading it from that perspective um, it also moved me into that changeless dwelling place where where, um, okay I'll just read the sentence for you have asked that nothing stand between the holiness of your relationship and your awareness of its holiness and when that was read uh, my the lens of awareness kind of turned in the direction of mind and and our unity there you know with my brother and sister and um i just thought it was a beautiful sentence to lift and it was an, you know encouraging that lifting out of body identification into that shared consciousness of unity uh, that, that surrounds us, with, you know, when 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 we are with someone, or even when we're separate from them, and it, it also applies to our relationship with God. And uh, anyway, I'm done. Thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. 
Thank you, Micah. Oh, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Hi, this is Jessica. Um, in paragraph in paragraph eighty five, um, are thoughts then dangerous? To bodies, yes. The thoughts that seem to kill are those which teach the thinker that he can be killed. And so, you know, I know that kill and killed is a stand-in for anything that is destructive in any way, any kind of uh, hurt, pain, sickness. Um, so the thoughts that seem the thoughts are dangerous because they teach me that I can be hurt if I if I have thoughts about you know the body and what can hurt it and I believe you know I think it's it, I, I suspect that what what he's talking about here is Thoughts that are coming from beliefs or thoughts that are forming beliefs, creating beliefs by being repetitive thoughts about, you know, oh, this thing here is bad for me or this thing here could hurt me or that person there is um, toxic <laughs> or something like that is going to uh, harm me in some way. Those thoughts and or beliefs can hurt the body because the mind is what is in charge of the dream of the body. Um, anyway, I think I'm complete. Thank you. Thank oh, you, thanks, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Good. This is mine. I, I, <laughs> I want. I want to respond a little bit to Lana's question, which I think other people have been doing. But uh, what I what I want to say is, is uh, you know, my experience is when faced with the choice of happiness, I. And because I, I realized that I'm not, 
because I can see my mind and, you know, part of my mind is in conflict. And that, you know, what the, whether it's two separate parts or whether it's one part just trying to treat my whole being as ping pong ball, what happens for me is I end up going back and forth between different things that are external that I think I need to be happy, right? And so, like, I, this is, again, placing myself at effect of the external world in terms of money or having a relationship that is declared as constant. I need something outside myself in terms of form in order to be happy. And basically, that's the choice to be unhappy and wait for something else to happen. And and I've already made that choice. And I'm placing it like that last question says. I'm denying the inherent nature of being just peace and at peace in in the state of peace that rests in the embrace of the everlasting arms, joy can naturally arise and just be happy, be alive. And then, then, you know, the, the causing of the other thing occurs happily. <laughs> and, you know, instead of, I'm, I, you know, what I can do is notice that my mind is like fighting over with itself over which effect of, you know, which element of the world I need to have to fall into place in order to be happy is this or that. And I recognize the pattern as it just keeps going. There's always something else. And that it's a choice not just to be unhappy, but to view myself as at effect of the world's form. And uh, that need not be. You know, I could choose peace <laughs> and, and let the happiness arise in... Uh, a peaceful acceptance that life is a gift. Anything else I need to make it work can be given me. I I don't know if that helped, but um, yeah, just that self-observation. It's like, what am I paying attention to? Am I paying attention to the part of my mind always viewing itself as less than and needing? Or am I focused on what life really is? And and it's constant. It's always there. And um, now, a lot of the time, I still focus on that the inconstant. But that's just the method of denying the constant in terms of what is actually there in our lives. Anyway, I'm speaking. Oh, that was really clear. Thanks, LeMoyne. Thank you. Thank you, LeMoyne.
Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Appreciate it. Hey, Lemoyne, this is Patricia. You and the original question bring up to me, and it's so delightful that I become aware of the practice. Uh, knowing I'm not the body, I don't expect uh, there, not, there to be a, a, a artificial, sort of a manufactured, blissy thing that the body does. So there's more permission for the body to go through tremendous anguish and uh, fear and not knowing and long periods of senses of time going by in that state. Uh, the body, it, uh, because I know that now so easily, my relationship with Jesus in awareness of that is the constant that when the body sensations of this kind of turmoil or anguish or pain occur, she's a child and she's even more deeply held in the arms of this happy father that of, of, of that holds her even ever more dearly through the stormy times. So even now, having kept on this course this way and not giving up that one relationship with Jesus first, and then through those eyes, I connect to either my body situation or my brother's situation. It's to love and embrace it with something that when the body or the brother fall into that silent embrace, there is so much gratefulness that happy is just a, when it's a still point I experience it as peace. And then when we go to express what it feels like, for example, to be in pain, but no one's so held by this thing where I'm not the body, it's this child in pain that's being loved right now in the silence. Then that still peace turns into what is often more described as happy because it's peace in a movement. Maybe I start to express, oh, it feels so good to know I'm not alone as I go through this torment. So then that I feel happy in you knowing that I'm not this body, but oh, it's so deeply held. And the world is so beautiful then to just hold it where it is. It's so much easier when we're not a body to sit and behold the part of the brother that I'm one with without him changing a single thing about what his body's doing. So I think of the body as a child that just simply needs that mothering and fathering love in the storms of life. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Patricia. That was very thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. That's it. Thank you, Patricia.
Well, um, Brad, can we turn to you for a reminder of today's lesson? Sure, sure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is the world? Uh, Today's lesson is lesson 244, I am in danger nowhere in the world. So I'll read some from what is the world. The world is false perception. It is born of error and has not left its source. It will remain no longer than the thought which gave it birth is cherished. The world was made as an attack on God. It symbolizes fear. And what is fear except love's absence? Thus the world was meant to be a place where God could enter not and where his son could be apart from him. Here was perception born, for knowledge could not cause such insane thoughts. But eyes deceive and ears hear falsely. Now mistakes become quite possible, for certainty has gone. As sight was made to lead away from truth, it can be redirected. Sounds become the call of God, and all perception can be given a new purpose by the one whom God appointed Savior to the world. Follow his light and see the world as he beholds it. Hear his voice alone in all that speaks to you, and let him give you peace and certainty, which you have thrown away, but heaven has preserved for you in him. Let us not rest content until the world has joined our changed perception. Let us not be satisfied until forgiveness has been made complete, and let us not attempt to change our function. We must save the world, for we who made it must behold it through the eyes of Christ, that what was made to die be restored to everlasting life. And we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 244. I am in danger nowhere in the world. Your son is safe wherever he may be, for you are there with him. He needs but call upon your name, and he will recollect his safety and your love for they are one. How can he fear or doubt or fail to know he cannot suffer, be endangered, or experience unhappiness when he belongs to you, beloved and loving, in the safety of your fatherly embrace? And there we are in truth. No storms can come into the hallowed haven of our home. In God are we secure. For what can come to threaten God himself or make afraid what will forever be a part of him. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 244. I am in danger nowhere in the world.
Your son is safe wherever he may be, for you are there with him. He need but call upon your name, and he will recollect his safety and your love, for they are one. Lesson 244, I am in danger nowhere in the world. Amen. Oh, man. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. That was lovely. Thank you, guys. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Welcome. It's good to know. When I see on TV many scenes of danger, um, that I still am not in danger. Anywhere I may choose to go in the whole world. I know that I am not a body, I am free, but I'm still as God created me, but I think he means more than that here. I think he even means our bodies are not in danger. I'm not sure exactly how all that can be, except that we're studying God with love, and love attracts love, but um, but I'm glad that it's so. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. How right you are. This is Fran. I think the lesson, this first paragraph that we're reading, goes perfectly with the lesson. When he says, are thoughts then dangerous? The body's yes. The thoughts that seem to kill are those which teach the thinker that he can be killed. 
Wow. And so he dies because of what he learned. So we're really not in danger. We just think we are. (laughs) Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. Yes, thank you, Fran. Hi, this is Robin Marie, and I was thinking back to three or four days ago when I'm, I'm not sure if it was Diana, someone was talking about their child being in trouble and, and hunting for her, and, um, and I was brought back to a time in my life when my daughter was kidnapped and missing for six days. And during that time, at the very beginning, um, God gave me the, the words, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible to you. And I kept hold of that. Um, because I'm an artist, I drew a picture of a tiny seed. And at first it was in the desert, and then it was... The next day, it seemed to be in a place that had a lot of bricks and that was pretty impenetrable, but it it went through a lot of different phases uh, of uh, running water at the end and uh, a river coming through, and and then I got a call from my daughter, and I was able to drive to Santa Rosa and meet her. And she was safe, and she's safe now. She's about to be a medical tech. She has three kids. She has a husband and three kids, and she's doing well. So I thought that that might encourage uh, your story. Thank you. Um, I, oh, that was utterly beautiful. Thank you. Um, I just want to give you this because my knee is on. They put in the laundry. Yes, thank you, Robin Marie. Um, some more light colors down there. Thank you, Robin Marie. Just a few. I checked. I think a few. Thank you, Robin Marie. Anyway, can you spray yeah. this? Mm-hmm. And um, okay. go. go ahead, Renee. I think I might it's, just touch one line. 
Your, your share, Robin Marie, makes oh, me think of. I know there was something. Dorian Virtue. Um, and in one of her books, it, she yeah. writes. Nothing right. and no one is ever lost in the mind of God. I'm complete. Thank you, Renee. Oh. Uh-oh. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. What, what was the author? What was, who's the authoress of that? Doreen Virtue, D-O-R-E-E-N, Virtue, V-I-R-T-U. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. Um... This is Ida. Uh, you know, I'm adding on to what I shared a minute ago. Um, the thing is, if I'm not in danger anywhere in the world. None of you guys that are reading this are in danger anywhere in the world. What about those other people that I see on TV that are subject to, you know, bad environmental storm, you know, storms and catastrophes, as well as, of course, war and all that kind of stuff, are they in danger? They seem to be in danger, (laughs) you know. um, But then, you know, I asked this question in my mind before I asked it, before I said that to you guys, but then with a voice inside, inside of me said, there are no other people. That's the only thing that I came up with. I, I would like to see if any of any of you have anything to say about that. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Well, this, oh, this is, is Go ahead. Oh. You know, what comes to mind for me, Ida, is like, yes, if we could all hold that consciousness that we would go into a higher dimension, a higher density. And then from a Course of Love perspective, I can't think of Course of Love terms right now, though. But anyway, um, yeah, and when you were sharing earlier, I was, thinking of, you know, Jesus walking on water and, um, yeah, that all those things are possible. I'm complete. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, I was, dra- I was driving. I'm driving. I just tuned in. I've had some doctor's appointments and vet appointments and dental appointments already. But, uh, Danger is something that is more... T- I'm, I'm in danger if I think about my own impending death. There's... Uh, all of us uh, can entertain the idea of this body ending. But uh, what I've been... Th- that's just one thing. The other thing that I wanted to share is that there was a line 
I read that I underlined in the course of love last week something to the effect of God is kind and God is uh, all-knowing and kind and all-powerful. The kindness and the love and God is loving. However, you people, according to the Jesus talking to you, you don't really believe that. And I realized, wow, if I, if I really accepted that, uh, it would be great. Anyway, I got another call. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. This is Renee, and I have one more share, and then I'll yield to people who haven't shared. I I wanted to read this from 198. Only my condemnation injures me. Do not forget today that there can be no form of suffering that fails to hide an unforgiving thought, nor can there be a form of pain. Forgiveness cannot heal. And yeah, I take that literally, that we could transcend pain. Yeah, I'm complete. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Renee. So if I feel like I'm suffering, I must have at least one unforgiving thought, right? I'll go for it. Well, mine would be thought that what I'm going through, I should not be going through. Uh-huh. That's suffering. I think that's right. <laughs> Hi, Bryce. I didn't, I didn't catch that very well. I'm sorry. Yeah, me neither. Say it again. Wendy, and we were off mute for a second, <laughs> uh, but I thought maybe you were referring to Lemoyne when you were asking uh, what, what had just been shared. I just said that uh, suffering for me is anything that I judge should not be happening. I, I relate that as the only meaning of suffering. I can be in pain. I can be uncomfortable. I can have sensations that I would describe as unfavorable to my feelings. Uh, but suffering, in particular, for me, is is a kind of of judgment about what I'm experiencing with a kind of a hate energy. I hate what I'm experiencing, not knowing, I'm adding uh, resistance to something that could be quite neutral if I were to relax a little bit about what the situation or what I'm, what I'm 
gallery. I'm complete. Well, thanks, thanks, Bryce. Hi. Hi, this is Diane. And, well, this is Don. This is just a pivotal lesson for me in, in life, this, especially this past week. I still haven't heard. I don't have permission to hear anything about my daughter's care. And the 48-hour hold is up sometime today. I don't know if. I don't know anything. I don't know if they're holding her. I'm, I'm positive they are. They have to. They have to be. Um, I'm, nobody's getting back with me. It's just been, you know, I've been gripped in a lot of fear this past week. And also in knowing that all is well. So it all comes down to me to release the trust to notice and choose again you know, accepting life as it shows up. I know Jesus reminds me that all of us are of him. You know, Jesus reminds me that the self that I am is the self in Christ. And, you know, I'm, I guess I, I've just been an enemy to myself when I, when I do choose fear because my struggle like yours is a shared mind. And when I can release and notice and choose again that all is well, everything is well, I'm not alone in any of this except by my thoughts. So, I, uh, understanding with God, whenever I do have a fear and choose again, it's, everything is okay as it is right now. So, I'm complete. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Thank Please you, call me, Diana. This is Ida. Please call me if you want to talk at all. I'm available almost all day long. Thanks, Ida. Anyway, I'm back. This is Steve. Just to conclude what I was sharing is that if I accepted that there's this lovingness coming from inside of my heart all the time, that's a done deal. I'm complete now. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. If I think about, like, a thousand years ago on this planet, um, things in some ways were very different, you know, because it seemed like we, the people, were at the mercy of diseases much more. Diseases, if the king or the queen decided to have a war, if, uh, you know, 
we didn't have, we didn't know what was going on much past our, the borders of our state or our country. Now we have TV and online to tell us. Now we have big, you know, nuclear weapons and, and all these things that are supposed to protect us. Now we have vaccines that are supposed to keep us well and all these things that we didn't have back then. I don't know how different we are, but it's supposedly we're a lot safer. We're, we're, we live longer. We're healthier in some ways, and yet they say we're not. Uh, but that's, again, that's with our bodies, which is not the real, is not really who we are. So I'm thinking about bodies again. Gee. Okay. Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. <clears throat> Thank you, Ida. One thing I think to add to what you said, Ida, is that uh, and we have the news that, that looks further and further. We have to look further and further for reasons to fear. Like the ego always always more. You know, we don't usually don't fear things that have already happened to us. It's always what has happened plus more or what we think might happen that's the worst. And this is the choice to try to find safety by fighting off what hasn't happened and, you know, to found our safety on the absence of what we think might occur. It's like so far into the inconstant. And, you know, what is asked here is just that we, I think it's pretty simple to recognize that, that the, our being continues and it's not really threatened. And so to ask for to like the last sentence let's go to that I'm getting a little bit lost but we've asked that nothing stand between the holiness of our relationship and our awareness of it and stop intruding these possible effects of a future that's not here between us and the present knowledge of creation surrounding us, always there. <clears throat> anyway, I'm thinking. Thank you, Lemoyne. <clears throat> Thank you, Lemoyne. Always there. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to say it. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, I don't want to delve into my story in, in any way except to say that I've said many times how I 
uh, spent 10 or so years in grief where I was separated from my joy, I thought. I thought. <laughs> and and that's, um, that to me is the essence of this section and this chapter. Um, this chapter is where we have that um, that beautiful paragraph where he, early in the chapter, this is the only thing you need to do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and the complete escape from sin, all to be given you. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations. For here the power of salvation lies. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and I decided on the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I asked for and received as I asked. And during those years, uh, I looked at that and I thought, how could this possibly be? that I should be so mired, mired, my mind should be so mired in sadness. You know, grief does that. But what it, what it does, what grief does, um, or the effect of grief, is it seems to make a milieu, and that's a useful word for me, an internal environment where everything is misty and dark. And, and of course, as an ego in the misty darkness, uh, I read, I'm responsible for this, and it seemed so impossible. Until I recognized, finally, I choose the feelings I experience and I decided on the goal I would achieve. And somehow that flipped a switch in my mind where I recognized truly, wait now, I'm choosing this. I'm choosing this. And I finally realized that I, it was my mind, it was my mind that wrote an ending into a story that I was believing. And this, to me, is the essence of the ego thought system, the storytelling that arises um, seemingly uh, de novo out of nothing and creates um, something in which I live, a milieu. Um, an environment that goes with me wherever I go in the same way that, <laughs> what's his name, the guy who writes the Charlie Brown cartoon has Pigpen. You know, I have this environment that's like Pigpen uh, with little clouds coming off me everywhere I go, not realizing that I did that with my thoughts. The thought that there is distance between God's mind and my own. The thought that love ends. The thought that uh, space 
makes a distance between me and what I love. Um, the thought that there's an ending written into anything. I did that with my thoughts. And with my thoughts that I believed, I experienced the grief, the sadness, the um, all those devastating emotions that come from believing my thoughts. And so that first paragraph, if I, if I turn that just a little bit and say my thought must be directed toward wanting truth and realize that wanting truth is the same as releasing my ending. If I want truth, I will release the idea there's an end. That's the same as I choose the feelings I experience and I decided on the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for. If I ask for the truth and I want nothing but the truth, what that really means is that that's my prayer. How does it go? Desire is a request. It's a prayer. Father, I want the truth and only the truth. I choose that. I choose that because I believe that you can give that to me. In fact, in fact, um, way back in the early part of this book, he says, let's, let's ask the Father in my name to keep you ever mindful of his love for you and yours for him. Now I have a different um, story. I have, I have, just in that, just in that prayer, keep me ever mindful of your love for me and my love for you. That, he says, is asking for what he's already willed, in fact, what he's already given. That simple prayer is the prayer of the heart. That prayer is a prayer we all know. We say it in our hearts all the time. We have all kind of stories around it, thoughts and stories that swirl around it, much in the same way that Pigpen seems to be uh, in a mist. But the prayer of the heart, Father, keep me ever mindful of your love for me and my love for you, creates a different milieu, a different internal environment, a different, um, you know, it's a place, it's a presence, it's a now experience. And that's why he ends this, this beautiful section on the inner picture. Um, and she was, that last paragraph so jives with today's lesson. Um, what is the holy instant but God's appeal to you to recognize what he has given you? Here's the great appeal to reason. Reason being Christ's mind, the mind we share. <laughs> The mind has no room for a story. There's no fiction in it. It's constant. 
the awareness of what is always there to see, the happiness that could always be yours. And when I come to this now moment, this now, um, how easy it is to say, I'm safe right now. Right now, all my thoughts and stories have been mustered to this moment. It's as if I've called them back to me. It's as if it's as if my thoughts could live in this place where I live right now, where I'm safe. I haven't scattered my awareness out to the future with fear. I haven't scattered my awareness um, to the past where I've lost something. My awareness is right here, right now. And in this place, how easy it is to say, I'm safe. I'm safe right now. There's no story. There's nothing right now except what he has given and what I've received. His giving is completed by my receiving, and that's always now and now and now. So what is the holy instant but that appeal to recognize that right here, right now, when my awareness is drawn back from everything I feared and everything I thought I lost to right here, right now, that's constancy. And it's still here right now. (laughs) And it's still here right now. Why? Because my awareness isn't scattered. I'm back at that fine point, at that awareness that right now I am in the embrace where my father's love is my own. Pretty soon we'll be talking about what is the body. And and beyond the body, you know, is this awareness. It has nothing to do with the body in the chair, with the eyes on the screen. It has nothing to do with the air I feel. It has everything to do with where's my awareness. My awareness goes with me wherever I go. I always have what? My awareness. I'm always right here. And where I am, God is. And he's still here right now. You see, it's a constancy. It's the milieu where my thoughts aren't scattered into the future of fear or into the past of loss, but always just right here, right now, where I'm safe. And right now, I can see no end to that. You see, the milieu will always be with me. It's always here and now. And when I desire only that, I will be aware of my intense and burning love for God and His for me. This relationship, this relationship is the only relationship you ever had or ever wanted. And what is heaven? He says, but a state of mind. It's a state of mind and it's constant in my awareness, still right here, right now. It hasn't gone anywhere. Only when I cast my thoughts in the same way that we, you know, my nephew, my grandnephew, 
taught me this neat trick about how I can cast things from my phone onto my TV screen. In the same way I do that with my thoughts, I cast them somewhere else. And when they're not on this constant awareness of truth, the truth of this one relationship, I'm this is if I'm not present. Where where have I gone? The presence still remains. He says, the presence still remains, but where have you gone? I've scattered my thoughts in the same way I can scatter digital signals from my phone to my television set. It is no great mystery, but when I draw them back to right now, I have my constant state again. And I can choose that. In the same way, he says, provision and happiness and release from pain and complete escape from sin, all to be given you because it's what's already been given. All I need to do is draw my awareness back. And if I want to keep it in my awareness, if I want to keep this holiness in my awareness, all I need to do is share it with you. And when I share it with you, it's made real. It's made manifest to me. And now I understand what love is, how love can never leave. Why? Because I'm sharing it. I've shared it with you. I recognize your holiness is my salvation. Your holiness is my release from illusion. Your holiness is my present moment here now in the relationship we have with God. And now it's bigger than it was before. It's grown. It's extended itself because I was willing to, sh to see it, to share it with you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I am in danger nowhere in the world. Why? Because I go with me wherever I go. The love of God goes with me wherever I go. When I return my awareness to now, there's no doubt. There's no fear. There's no danger. I can't be unhappy because this relationship of love with the Father is always with me. And I can choose and choose and choose to draw my thoughts back from the places they go wandering to this milieu of constancy. That's happiness to me. And it's even greater than happiness. It becomes joy when I share it. And so for that opportunity, I give you great thanks. I'm complete. Mm. Thank you, Laurie. That was so nice. Thank you, Lori. Fine. Thank you. Thank you. And it is. In the constancy of God, like you said. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Always. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Thanks for placing the responsibility for sight in the 
proper positive context that that's not a cause for judgment that's the pointing out that we have the power the what is see where we are in truth thanks again hmm. thank you Lamorne Lamorne do you have any final thoughts I think you just got them. Oh, okay. Well, good. There we go. We're in truth. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the flip side, I know that this is the one of the ways, so just say this, this is one of the ways this book is, changes on future, uh, not future, but repeated <laughs> subsequent reading. Is that, you know, when I first, at first, it's like some huge challenge. It's like, look at all the things you do to yourself. You're just doing it all wrong. <laughs> but, you know, within that responsibility for sight, I think even maybe within that section, points out that, you know, we have the power to see it correctly. <laughs> and that that is healing. <laughs> and that, you know, maybe the, that is a practice and take on the news that, to not project more fear, even though it's, it's, they've couched it in terms like, oh, look at this horrible thing. Just to not project fear upon but to recognize it as a, a lesson and a chance to apply our our real power, the power of love. And being in relationship within wholeness. I'm complete with that. Do you have a closing for us, Lauren? Well, <laughs> what a swell day this is. <laughs> um, I had had this. Uh, thank God uh, I was given this gift um, and has held it in reserve for an opening, but it makes even uh, a better closing. So I'll go with this poem from David White that's called It's Still Possible. It's still possible to fully understand you have always been the place where the miracle has happened that you have been since your birth, the bread given and the wine lifted, the changed witnessed and the change itself, that you have secretly been all along a goodness that can continue to be a goodness to itself. It's still possible in the end to realize why you are here and why you have endured and why you might have suffered so much so that in the end you could witness love miraculously arriving from nowhere crossing bravely as it does out of darkness from that great and spacious stillness inside you to the simple light-filled life of being said is still possible 
to fully understand you have always been the place where the miracle has happened. Amen. Boy, that was a gift. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne and Lori. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Lemoyne. Thanks, everybody.